This episode is sponsored by Realtor.com, who wants you to take advantage of your free profile on Realtor.com. By claiming and completing your free profile, adding a photo, and all of the information that puts you head and shoulders above the competition, you're on your way to receiving free leads, helping search engines find you, and staying top of mind with past clients. To learn more about claiming your free profile, go to realtor.com forward slash profile. Welcome to the Real View podcast, where Ohio realtors connect you to innovators and influencers, keeping you with the real view of real estate. Whether you're a broker, agent, first time home buyer, industry leader, or just happen to stumble upon our podcast today, you can expect to hear tips, tools, tricks, interesting information, and so much more from the experts in Ohio's real estate game. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to The Real View Podcast. I am your host, Allison, and joining me today is our special guest. I am sure you all have heard of her, have seen her around. She is very involved in our realtor community. I would like to welcome to the show Monica Neubauer, aka The Maverick Motivator, which I think is such a cool nickname, and I and I I'm curious to hear about how you chose that and kind of what that means. But she is an author, a keynote and motivational speaker, a fellow podcaster, and a member of our realtor community as a practicing realtor. So Monica, welcome onto the show. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Allison. I'm glad to be here. Super excited to to have you on and be talking to you today. We are going to dive into this world of multiple offers and I know the market's maybe cooled down for some, maybe is still just as hot for others, but it's still a relevant topic because we never know when we're going to be in this situation with multiple offers. And it's something that we haven't talked about on the show yet. So I'm really excited to dive into today's topic with you, Monica. And I know you have a ton of great ideas and tips for how our agents can, can make the most of this multiple offer situation. But Before we get started in that, I have to ask our signature question that we ask all of our guests who join me on the podcast, which is, since the show is called The Real View, I would like to know what is the best view that you've ever seen? I considered that. Gratefully, you gave me a little heads up. Mm -hmm. And I thought about that because having been privileged to live in Asia, and I've been to all 50 states, I have seen very many amazing views in nature. I don't have a favorite there. I do have the Grand Tetons on my phone at the moment. They're incredibly beautiful. And I was thinking, what else in my life has been so beautiful? And when I was a young woman, I lived overseas. And now I have a daughter who is moving overseas again. This is her third time she's going to live in an international situation. And the most beautiful view I've ever seen is my mother's face when I was coming home myself and my daughter's face when she comes home. So that is the most beautiful views. Those are my favorite views that I can think of. (laughs) That's so good. I love that. I love the sentimental views. Of course, I always love hearing the guest travel experiences and and where they've been and worldly sightseeing and all that kind of stuff. But that is, I love sharing that. It's so special. You probably have those faces ingrained in your memory, which is beautiful. I love to see that. (laughs) Yep. Yep. And family, I'm blessed to have a family that I always enjoy being with. So the reuniting is always awesome. Always so special. I love that. 
Well, yeah, that's kind of a perfect segment into kind of what I wanted to start the show with, with, which is hearing a little bit more about you and your career path. And as you mentioned, you know, you've been all over and you've you've done some incredible things in your life. And as I was researching you and preparing to ask you to come on the show and then preparing to, to record with you today, I was just blown away by your life and some of the things that you've done. And I think it's so cool. You've had some pretty special life experiences and what's gotten up to lead you to the point that where you are today. But I want to hear from you a little bit about you and your career path? How did you get involved in real estate? Was this always something you knew you wanted to do? Tell us a little bit of background on you and your journey so far. I'm one of those people with many chapters, and I am a native of Franklin, Tennessee, which is kind of a rare beast. You know, it's a pretty popular place to move right now, but I had the privilege of growing up here. But I started traveling a lot when I was young, college. My husband and I lived overseas for a while. And after we came back from Asia, and had two kids. So I homeschooled a little bit. I've done, I've always been a performer. So I was an actress and a model when I was young. That performing thread kind of comes back in and also ties in with the Maverick Motivator, which is a recent brand that I'm owning. When I started in real estate, my kids were, had just put them in school. I'd been homeschooling them. It wasn't working. So I put them in school and, and then I was just gone all the time because I'm restless and love to be out with the people and doing things. And my husband looked at me one day and he said, honey, if you're going to be gone all the time, why don't you just go get a job? And I was like, yeah, then I'm going to pay somebody to clean my house and buy food out more often. And I was all about that. So, but tying in with my personality and the Maverick Motivator, my personality is high energy driven and I love change. So when you look at my career, I started out in real estate 20 years ago as a practitioner, and I am still a practitioner, though with the other things I've added, I don't sell as much as I did when I you know, was in my earlier years. But I started as a practitioner because I knew I liked the change, and I knew that the process of this too will pass. Unfortunately, the good things will end, but so will the hard things. And you're going to have a new adventure with new clients and new markets and new, everything was going to be changing all the time. And that was so appealing to me. And we knew, my husband and I had gotten to a point where we understood our personalities. I love personality profiles, such a junkie with that, but that I needed something that was going to feed me. I'm one of those people, if I'm, it's truly the, you know, if mama's having a bad day, everybody's having a bad day. And, and we love this concept of do what, brings you life. Do something that brings you life or brings you joy. It doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be your passion. I'm not one of those that's always like, oh, you have to be doing your passion, but you want it to be something that you enjoy. You enjoy the environment. You enjoy the people so that when you come home, you're not just like ragged from it. Even though I've always worked a lot of hours, I have most of the time enjoyed my work. So the change part though is relevant because Oh, I said, oh, I'm going to be in real estate for three years and then we'll see what I do. Well, you know, 20 years later. But what's come up along those times was 2008, I became a speaker and started building that side of my career. And you start speaking this part. Well, then you start adding this speaking topic into it. And then, you know, I'm having some conversations with some folks at NAR. And before you know it, boom, we've got a, a podcast over there with the Center for Realtor Development that we've put together. And, and that's been a blast. And so, now I've got some new ideas for some new speaking topics and a little bit new direction that I want to talk in as well. And I'm actually building a team a little bit and revamping my real estate business. So there's a lot going on, it can seem a little bit crazy, but when I'm not in a little bit of crazy, I'm not, I get frustrated, 
then I could feel depressed. So I'm always needing to kind of be adding some new things, but I'm not adding them all the time. I've also learned to be compartmentalize a lot of the things in my life, which is honestly, I don't think I could have done that when I had young children at home. That so much takes your attention. You, you can't like tune that out. But now at this point in my life, I can compartmentalize and it's working. I'm having a good time. No, that's incredible. Wow. What what an amazing business you have going on from all sides of things. It sounds like things are just booming for you and very, very exciting and, and awesome to hear. So I kind of want to hear a little bit more about, you mentioned the podcast and the hosting that you do for NAR with the Center for Realtor Development podcast. Tell me a little bit more, what is that podcast like? And maybe how can members tune in as we know our members listening right now have an interest in podcasts. So um, tell us a little bit more about that and what that podcast is like. I think that podcast is pretty unique. It's not that nobody else doesn't do a lot of the elements of it, but the focus there truly is for real estate professionals, what are the technical things that we need to do in real estate? So it's about interviewed a guest and we talked about floods and codes and zoning in Florida after that condo building fell down. You know, we talk about products and HOA things, and we talk about negotiation. We talk about things that are nuanced in the business. We talk about working with the military and what are some of the things you need to know to help somebody get a VA loan. So it's very practical, educational information for the agents in their business. And a lot of it's really topical. So if you get in a situation where you've got a client or a situation that you don't know what to do, you can go and look at the list of topics because we try to make them very Googleable and very simple. So you know what we're talking about. You need some help with pricing. The very first episode was with Melanie McLean. It's about pricing. It's as relevant now as it was then. It's really the education for real estate professionals. So it's not just the how to sell, how to grow your business. It's not necessarily biggering things. It's bettering things. So important. And I know that's something as realtors are always trying to do, right? Is how can we be better? How can we do our job better? Not necessarily do more of our job, but just do it better and, and be that professional that as realtors, we are all committed to being. So, so cool. And um, I've listened to a few of your episodes and they're really great. So make sure um, you guys check them out. As Monica mentioned, they're super Googleable. Just Google Center for Realtor Development Podcast by NAR and you're going to find the landing page and pull up a bunch of episodes there. So check that out. Love what you have going on there. And um, as a fellow podcaster, I know the work that it takes to go into producing those shows. So um, great job on this podcast and, and keep it up. I know they're, they're very valuable. So I want to transition a little bit into today's topic, this multiple offer market. A lot to dive into with this, but I think we should start at the beginning. Where does today's market stand? especially with multiple offers? And is it still the seller's market that we've kind of seen for the past maybe year, year and a half? I know our 2021 numbers just blew everything out of the water. And then we did start seeing a bit of a slowdown, at least in Ohio, towards the end of last year in 2022, as far as those sales numbers. But it's still a very hot market, especially in certain areas across Ohio. But where does today's market stand? And is it still a seller's market? Oh. Yes, it's definitely still a seller's market. The objective definition of a seller's market is anything that's selling in zero to three months. So even when something's staying on the market a little bit longer, it's still considered a seller's market. However, and I just kind of float this phrase, this is a, this is kind of a Monica made up thing, but I feel like we're 
occasionally in an artificial buyer's market in some markets, some price points, sometimes. So if a house ends up being on the market for a month or more, all of a sudden it's like, well, why is it on the market still? What's going on with that one? And you know that if the house is on the market a little bit longer, you as the buyer and buyer's agent can probably negotiate more for what you want. So it feels compared to where we've been, it feels a little bit like an artificial buyer's market. And as the sellers get used to having their houses on the market a little bit longer, that'll back off a little bit because they'll hold on to their prices and and the terms they want a little bit more. But you said, what's happening? What are we seeing? And I've been looking at houses with a client over the holiday. And it's been kind of interesting because some of them were staying on over the holiday and a lot of people weren't putting new houses on right before Christmas and, you know, the New Year's and everything. But then I saw this conversation on Facebook of our in our local group that where the agents talk about things they're seeing in the industry. Somebody said, are you seeing the buyers coming out of the woodwork now? And everybody's like, yeah, all my listings just sold that were on the market the whole month of December. You know, they're coming, they're flying in, you know, like the bees. I'm watching this. My clients are also looking at new construction. So we're not full in the resale, but this beautiful new home came on and we went to see it a couple of days ago. Beautiful house. I mean, beautifully decorated, great lot, everything just excellent. We felt like the house was underpriced. And so I told them straight up, I said, this is an amazing house. You know, there's nothing else like it on the market. If you're not willing to pay 10% above list price on this, it's probably not worth your time even offering. Here we were a month ago, that wasn't a thing as much. And Nashville has been in a seller's market since 2012. So we're always a little attentive to the best houses at the right price always still sell quickly. No, I think you made some great points there that, you know, it's funny that now we're like, what a house on for a month like that is like so long, you know, like who would even who would have even thought that like that's where we would be now to where we think a month is long. But we've just been in such a crazy time. And I know it's similar in Columbus. I know like Nashville, we've just seen our housing market. I mean, you can't keep anything. <laughs> for sale for long here. It's it's just been absolutely crazy. But and I also loved, you know, you mentioned the advice when you go see your house. And that's what we do best as realtors is advise our clients on how to approach something that they really want. When you're in a situation like that's where you're like, okay, we know this is underpriced, and it's going to go quickly, like you need to be prepared to offer, you know, X amount. What is the best way for realtors to kind of handle that and give that advice to their clients? It's a hot property, like you just mentioned. The clients, if they've been looking at houses, they kind of already know in their gut, you know, what's going on if they're familiar with the market. If they're not, they're probably going to miss it because there's that learning curve. But when I told them that yesterday, they, one, agreed with me, but they also were not ready to say that I want to get into that. I mean, they were looking at some other options. They had some new construction. Here's a script that I use I mean, you know, I hate to just say a script because it seems so, but it's a great concept. And I said to them, okay, if you love this house, do you want to offer on it or do you want to buy it? And I've said that to somebody before and they said, I want to buy it. And they stepped up and they paid serious money and they bought the house. If you're willing to pay whatever that is, sometimes it's not always easy to figure that out. But when somebody really wants to buy a house, they can step up and make a difference. And we all agreed it was underpriced. You know, there's some buyers who are not willing to pay more than list price or not that much more. It's just too much of a struggle for them. And until they're convinced that that's needful, 
Which, to be honest, right now we're having this after-holiday rush, but in another month it might not be needful. And that's kind of the thing with the market right now. And Columbus is just a great little city. I love Columbus. My cousin lives there, so I've been able to spend some time with her and, of course, with you all when I've been there. And so I can see you're probably going to have a pretty fast-paced market for a while because I think it's becoming discovered about how cute it is and friendly and your prices are still more reasonable than some. And people just have to pay attention. You have to watch the data. It's so much in the data, Allison. When something comes on, if there's a lull or a boost, what's the data saying? And I'm talking about last week's data and two weeks ago data, not just three months. No, you need to know, you know, what is in that price point? What are the comps saying in that narrow place? And what's happening? How fast are they selling? Is the inventory growing or is the inventory shrinking? Supply and demand. This episode of The Real View is brought to you by the Ohio Association of Community Colleges. Ohio's network of community colleges provides accessible training that accommodates the busy lifestyles of aspiring real estate professionals at half the price of a traditional university. With convenient locations in every part of the state, as well as online options, Ohio's community colleges are your smart choice for pre-licensing education. For more details or to start the journey to a real estate career, Visit the education page at ohiorealtors.org and then click on the pre-licensed course locations. I know one of the things that that you give great advice on is how you can help buyers making those strong offers. You know, you mentioned you had that client who came in and and you gave the phrase, you want to make an offer, do you want to buy it? And they came in really strong. What other ways can we encourage our buyers to make that strong offer and maybe do more than what they're initially thinking? And, and how do we kind of navigate that when it comes to making an offer on a, on a hot property? Okay. I'd like to rephrase your question if you don't mind. Yeah, please. Yeah. I don't think that the education point is in how do we educate our buyers. I think the question, the better question is how do we educate our agents to present their buyer's offer better. Because yes, the buyers have a learning curve that they need to learn. But once they lose a couple of houses, we've seen that over the last few years, the buyers have kind of learned some things. So they're not necessarily ignorant to what's been going on and what may still need to go on. So yes, that's still setting expectations, training them about the market 100%. And one other thing I'll say about that before I want to move on to what I want to say to the agents is, One of the things that I don't see agents doing, again, it's kind of an agent thing, even though it's a buyer prep, is have a contract consultation before you have to do the contract at the last minute. Because when the house is going to sell quickly and you have to put that contract together quickly, and if you both have looked at the house, you're busy, you're putting the paperwork together Have you actually had a contract consultation with the buyer so that they know what they're signing? Mm, That's so good. I wish I am thinking on my own buying history of when I purchased my condo. And I was like, that would have been awesome. Because like half the times you're flying through it and you don't really even know what you're signing anyway as a consumer. Yeah. Yeah. So that's something I'd like to see agents do. Do that buyer contract with the blank contract. Do it before you go. 
because we're sending the electronic signature. So it used to be after we liked the house, we'd go back to the office, we'd look at the comps, we'd write it right there and they just wet sign it. But now people are going home, they're going to dinner and then they're sending it for electronic signatures, which is fine if you've already gone over the paperwork. Yep. No, that's that's a great bit of advice. Love that. Write that note down, guys. That's that's really great advice. Okay, so I want to go back to how can realtors get their clients offered to stand out, right? We're rephrasing that question. (laughs) Yes. How can the real estate agents, how can realtors get their offers to stand out? Here's a few tips that we talk about at length in the class, but here's a few tips that I have for you all. It starts with communication and relationship with the other agent. That's really where it starts. As much as agents are supposed to be as objective as possible with everything, wanting to work with an agent that's professional, we all want that. And I want to work with an agent who knows what they're doing. If I receive an offer and nobody's even called me or checked in on it, and I'm not even sure they showed it to them, I know nothing about that person. So that one's going to make me nervous even if I'm not in a multiple offer situation. Of course, I'm going to work it differently then. But so it starts with great communication. And we want to be sensitive to how the listing agent has set up the information. If they've piled all this great information on the MLS, you need to read it. You need to download all those property condition disclosures and all that and read it. But I still always want to connect ideally with a phone call, but also possibly, you know, if they're busy with a text or something and I want to connect with them. If I don't already know them, I want to start a relationship with them. I love to just bring some question to them so we can laugh together on the phone and start to form a relationship because I want them to think well of my client because they think well of me. So that's the first thing is develop that relationship with the client, with the other agent, whether you know them or don't know them, enforce that. The second thing is when you're talking about how do we educate the buyers, I think really more than educating the buyers, it's making sure the buyers are far enough along in the process so that they actually are a strong buyer. And I think that's on the agent because the the buyers don't understand that. So When we say, I want my buyer completely prepared, we've trained them about the market, so they're actually ready to make the good offer. But is their loan a good loan? Are they working with a lender who's a good communicator? Are they started down the underwriting process? How far are they? How confident is the lender about what a good borrower they're going to be? Or is their cash letter, if their proof of funds is there, have you verified that those proof of funds are good? Somebody can give you a proof of funds letter that they put together in Canva or whatever in Word. They can slap a logo off the internet and there you go. (laughs) 100%. Find some officer's name on the internet and put it on there. So I always find the person who signed the letter for the proof of funds and call them and confirm that they wrote the letter. I don't ask any private information. I just say, I received this letter on behalf of this person and I wanted to confirm that you actually wrote it. And so when I do that, then I'm going to tell the other agent, I have confirmed these funds. I have confirmed that this buyer is in underwriting. I've talked to the lender. They've already confirmed all these things. So I'm going to tell the listing agent more about the strength of my buyer than just what a pre-qualification letter. I'm going to be involved in that. And even better if the lender will call them. I like working with a lender who will be involved. They'll either make a video for the client or they'll call the listing agent on behalf. Yeah, that's super cool and creative. Yeah, I never thought of getting the lenders involved to that extent. Have you found most of the times that there are lenders out there that will do that and that will be involved in the process? Oh, yes, there totally are lenders. And 
There's a couple of good questions that I would challenge agents to ask the lenders. One is, how are they willing to cooperate as a team? It's a three-legged stool. You got the buyer, the real estate agent, and the lender. You're a tight team. And are they willing to take some of the responsibility of promoting that buyer to the listing agent by saying, yes, I've checked all these documents for them. They're a really strong W-2 employee or yes, they're self-employed, but I've seen their tax returns already and I feel really good about them. Yes, we've run their credit and done. So even if they're not through underwriting yet, which would be ideal, can the loan officer say, I've seen their docs? We're not removing the contingency, but I've seen their docs. They're a strong borrower. I'm excited to work with them. And then the agent, the loan officer can also say, and I'm excited to work with you, listing agent. Yeah, that's really cool. That's just another person to verify and make that offer even stronger. It's like, okay, this person's backing me up. My realtor's backing me up. The loan officer's backing me up. Like, that's really great to have another person other than your realtor kind of vouching for the client and just going to show, hey, this is these buyers are really strong and this is why, you know, they they stick out. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Well, and you know that NAR has justifiably asked us to not do the love letters. We know that sellers do like to be able to make their decisions subjectively, but that's not in the best interest of the public. And sometimes it's not really in their best interest, certainly financially or time-wise. I mean, we've seen sellers take contracts, offers from people who were not, didn't really give them the best deal, but they wanted that person to have the house. So since we're pulling back on that, this attempt by us and our lender and maybe even the buyers themselves, if they were at open houses or something, there's other ways we can become a strong presence to the listing agent where they recognize us as engaged, professional, and desirous of the property. If that buyer was at the open house and they met them and they were curious and they asked good questions and they were friendly. So I would even advise my buyers how you go to an open house and engage with the listing agent if, in fact, the listing agent is the one holding it open. Ask good questions, be friendly, be confident, because that's going to be their only opportunity to get before them in that way. And so all of these things contribute to show a really engaged buyer who wants the house and is doing the work. What mistakes do you see realtors make when it comes to handling multiple offers? Where can we kind of get ourselves in trouble when we're handling a situation like this? So now you're asking kind of from the listing agent side? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. (laughs) There's a a lawsuit in Florida that I don't know the latest on it, but it was a high-end property. And it kind of came down to, it sounds like, you know, I don't have the whole thing in front of me, but part of where this came up was it sounds like the listing agent did not actually present all the actual offers to the seller. And I don't know if the agent did a spreadsheet or just did a a verbal. I don't know how they actually presented them, but it's really good for the listing agent to put together a spreadsheet. Even if you just have two or three offers, put together the spreadsheet and that way you don't even have to put the buyer's names on them. So sometimes names can create expectations. So you just put the agent's name up there or the agent's last name, and then you put their offer on the spreadsheet and you can compare things better that way line by line. But also with that, and this also lends itself to the importance of listing agent being in person with their client if they can, because they're going to bring over all this paper. So 
you, you know, God, God bless some of these people who did 20 offers and literally printed oh out gosh. all the offers, you know, and brought them. So <laughs> had them on a kitchen table island, like, you know, checking one off from the other. I know even your spreadsheet's going to be four pages wide, you <laughs> right, know? Right. So, um, You've got the spreadsheet. You need to also present to your seller all the actual offers for two reasons. One is because you might have made a mistake on the spreadsheet. You know, you just want them to be able to check it. And two, that way you literally have presented every offer in its entirety, ideally with a seller's net sheet all to them. And that's what we need to do is present all offers timely and completely. And so if you're just presenting a spreadsheet or you're just presenting a verbal, then they're not necessarily seeing all the terms and they don't have any way to confirm that what you're saying is actually true. Yeah. And even, you know, the ones that you know aren't so great is still so important. And, you know, I watch these reality shows, million dollar listings and things like that. And and Sellers are like, well, why are you even showing me this offer? It's so low. And it's like, well, that's our job. You know, we have we have to do that. So even presenting the ones that you know aren't the rock star offers, still got to put that out there and, and present those to your client. Yep. And then the clients can say, I don't want them. And if the client puts in writing that they don't want to see any offer below this price, then you as the listing agent can say, I'm not going to present that to my seller per a written agreement by them that says they don't want to see any offers below this price. If you want to bring it back to me at this price, we'll be glad to look at it. There you go. Great, great work around there. (laughs) But I have one other thing with that that I want to say. One of the things as a listing agent that is very upsetting to me is contract paperwork that's not filled out. So that goes both sides. Buyer's agents, make your contracts complete and ideally signable. If you do all the research beforehand and you can put in the right closing dates and find out if they need possession, you can make them signable. I literally had multiple offers once. It was two offers on a property and both offers were horrible, horribly written offers. And one of them was a really experienced agent. They were just, the paperwork was terrible. So even to figure out which one I wanted to do, I, as the listing agent, had to do all the legwork to talk to the lenders and find out what what do you even mean here? And people weren't answering their phones. So be reachable and have that paperwork filled out because that's huge because it's very frustrating as a listing agent when the paperwork's not filled out. Oh, and it I'm could sure. damage your buyer's position actually too. Yeah. And it's just one of those things that's so simple to get done. Just fill it out right. You know what I mean? It's It's so easy. What advice do you have for working in today's crazy market? And I know you've shared some really great tips on, on how to kind of navigate where this market is today. But any other advice you have for our realtors working in, in this crazy market and ever-changing market? A few things. One I would say is uh, you might consider narrowing your market. It's hard to keep up with pricing and markets if you work too broad of an area. So just think about that. You know, be intentional about bringing your market closer to home. You know, I mean, you still may want to take that listing an hour away, but be intentional about trying to bring your business closer to home so you have to drive less. So that's one. I think also because we're still in a stress zone, we haven't recovered from everything that's come through COVID and the lockdowns and and the market. We haven't fully recovered from that. So we're still a little fragile, if we're honest with ourselves. I'm encouraging agents to really keep their boundaries And some agents are like, yep, I'm going to talk to my clients and everybody, anybody who wants to talk to me 24 hours a day. Well, 
That's fine. If you want to do that, you can have those people. If you want the people who are going to talk to you at 11 o'clock, guess what? You can have them because I don't want those people. <laughs> mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. Um, yeah. So figure out what your work schedule is. And I mean, truly, we don't need to be engaging with clients in the evening or really early in the morning unless working an offer or they are just so busy. Like I had a couple of doctors one time and I literally worked with them from 6 to 7.30 in the morning every time we communicated. And that was it. I couldn't even hardly get them during the day. So unless there's some special arrangement, we have to keep our boundaries and we have to take care of ourselves in whatever form you're finding it. I know we feel like we're beating that drum a little bit, but we're not well yet. No, I actually heard someone say, I love that you brought that up because I heard someone say this and I thought that was just a great way to describe where we are. You know, we've come out of the initial shock, having our worlds totally uprooted and we've gotten through that. And now we're kind of just in the like, okay, what's next? How do we kind of process everything that happened and get back to where we were pre-COVID or not, you know, get back to even a better place pre-COVID? And I was just like, that is such a perfect way to describe this phase as to where we are in coming out of the pandemic. It's like, we got through it, but now what's next? How do we process this trauma and move forward? And, and it's so true. We're not there yet. We're just, we're not. <laughs> we're getting there, but you're right. It's I love that you brought that up because it's so important. I think people need to pay attention to what their family members are saying. Realtors need to listen when their family is missing them or their kids are needing them, their parents are needing them. Are you really paying attention to your family and your community? I mean, oddly enough, (laughs) I've been reading a lot about aging and even dying. And inevitably, at the end of their lives, nobody says they wish they would have worked more. So I just want to encourage all the listeners, please just take care of yourself. And if people are saying to you, take a realistic look at your finances, is this really the year for biggering or is this the year for bettering? Take a look at that. Take care of yourselves first and foremost. The The work is always going to be there, but if you're not taking care of yourself, it's never going to get to where you want. Great way. I think we should end the show on that. That was perfect. Take care of yourself um, and the rest will follow after that. Monica, this was so fantastic. Thank you so much for joining me today. I, I really enjoyed our time. Thank you so much for having me, Allison. It was a great time. And I'd love to just send my best regards to the Ohio Realtors. Thank you. Yeah, we hope to see you soon. Maybe we'll have to have you um, in town for a conference. I I would love to hear from you. And yeah, we'll see if we can be in touch with you soon. And to all of our listeners, thank you guys for tuning in. And we will talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to The Real View. That wraps up today's episode. You can keep up with the latest on the podcast at ohiorealtors.org slash The Real View and on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Have questions, comments, or suggestions? We want to hear from you. Email us at podcast at ohiorealtors.org. We'll see you next time.